0: 99% Invisible is brought to you by the Lexus GX and Sirius XM. As a 99PI listener, we know that you delight in exploring regional architecture wherever you go. If you're looking for an adventure SUV that promises both luxury and capability, the new Lexus GX is just the vehicle you've been looking for. Enabled with Sirius XM, the 2024 GX comes equipped with a rich array of content you can enjoy on your next road trip. In true 99PI fashion, get in a GX today and experience how great design marries form and function. To learn more about the GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com GX and SiriusXM.com Lexus. Lexus trial. The all new Lexus GX. Live up to it.
1: Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view?
3: I think my cousin was getting married, this is almost 10 years ago now.
4: Ray to Tara had to go to a wedding. It was time to dress up. And Ray needed to look good, because their date was incredibly stylish. At the time, I was newly dating
3: my partner, who really experienced joy in getting dressed up for things in a way that I did not relate to and really wanted to experience. Like if my partner's putting on like a velvet floor-length dress, I'm like, oh,
4: damn it, that's good. Ray normally wears kind of androgynous casual clothes. You know, like jeans, Hawaiian shirts, gray sweaters. But by and large, formal wear is still so starkly gendered. For this wedding, Ray realized they were going to have to get a suit.
3: Uh, I just knew that I probably needed a suit because I didn't feel comfortable wearing anything else for,
4: you know, when I had to get dressed up. Ray was not excited about wearing a suit. It honestly seemed kind of boring boring. And intimidating when you contrast it with the thrill and excitement of floor-length velvet dresses or jumpsuits and makeup and heels. Ray watched their partner in awe. I was just like, wow, whatever that is, I was like, whatever that is, I need that. It just seemed like it was going to be really hard to get that special dress-up feeling from a suit. Like, sometimes I'm almost underwhelmed when I'm getting dressed. There's just a narrower range of self-expression available to the people who shop in the men's department. We look sort of...
3: uh, Sort of plain, in a way. Yeah, I wear pants every day, and they're the same as the pants I wore yesterday. Just, like, navy pants. And then I feel like plain on the outside, and then, like, a complete freak on the inside. And there's a part of me that is tempted to bring the way I feel into how I actually dress myself. As Ray would
4: find out, expression is possible. It's just that menswear doesn't shout, it whispers. And you have to lean in close to hear it. <laughs> Articles of Interest, a show about what we wear. Season two. People don't realize it's fantasy.
5: There's always this thing that you have to work extra hard to get.
4: Mm. And that's so good.
5: No one dresses like a king anymore. How do you make money?
4: That's how I make
3: money, love. There are lots of things that we take for granted that
4: would once have been considered luxuries. Listen, I love fashion. Made a whole podcast about it but for a long time, I did not get menswear. Specifically suits. Like, they are neither useful nor interesting, you know what I mean? The jacket doesn't keep you warm, the tie is just kind of a shitty scarf, the pocket square is a handkerchief you don't use, and yet they all more or less look the same, and that's all men are allowed to wear. You know, during awards season, fashion journalists will highlight the best dressed, and it always includes a bunch of men. You got Brad Pitt, Eddie Murphy, Leo DiCaprio. And for the most part, they're all just wearing tuxes. I mean, it's nice. It's nice. They look nice. But it's a black jacket and black pants. On the red carpet, in this world of infinite possibilities where a woman can come in wearing a swan, these famous guys are lauded for wearing a black jacket and black pants. Menswear is hopelessly boring. Sorry, it is.
6: I don't. I don't want to use the word boring either, but it's meant to be that way.
4: This is iconic menswear writer G. Bruce Boyer. It's meant to be a uniform. You know, uniforms uh, keep people in, keep people out. Because of the uniformity of suits, tiny differences make a big statement. Like it matters if the threading on the button is a certain color. If you have pleats, suits quietly, secretly contain this infinite ever-shifting world of tiny details. Some are useful, some are purely decorative, but they're all very subtle.
6: These are handmade trousers. The pocket is not on the seam. It's slanted forward because that way it's easier to get your hand in and out. Oh. See, most people wouldn't notice that. No. But that happens to be an important little detail. An important little detail. An important little detail.
4: Another important little detail, the buttons on the sleeve. If you bought a fancy suit, the buttons are actually functional. So you
6: can actually button the sleeve and unbutton it. You can roll up the sleeve and wash your hands without taking your jacket off. Nice. It's just a little detail. It's a little detail. An important little detail.
4: It's a little detail. Nice. But that's the kind of... Thing. The suit is an Easter egg hunt for tiny details. Nice. And there's no way you could ever find all the eggs because some of them are hidden very well. You see that? This little that little tab. tab? Yeah. It's a little tab. It basically keeps your collar from curling up in the heat. That's a very
6: important little detail that nobody will notice except you. Nice. nice.
4: We are not looking at Bruce's closet, although it feels like it. It's kind of my home away from home. We're in a store in the Tribeca neighborhood of Manhattan called The Armory.
6: If I say, you know, well, I'm going to be in Manhattan today, my wife has said, you're going to stop down at The Armory, aren't you? I said, well, maybe I will. She said, give me your credit cards.
4: The Armory is a shop, but it is also basically a clubhouse for menswear nerds. For gentlemen who understand the little clues that make this otherwise plain-looking clothing very expensive. What makes these ties special?
6: If you're looking from 10 feet away, nothing. It's when you get up close and you notice that this, this is a really... These things are very subtle,
4: I think. Quality is hard to describe. It comes with experience. And in this way, buying a suit is kind of like ordering a fine wine. The act of purchasing it is itself luxurious because it means you have the time and refinement to learn about what makes a wine good And learn what you like. I mean,
6: what we're talking about is quality in the product, you know. And that's really, to my mind,
4: what luxury is. It's the understanding of quality. In menswear, that understanding of quality invites a degree of machismo. A lot of the fashion nerd guys are all sizing each other up over these little details. Is your pocket slanted? How many vents does your jacket have? How's your pocket square folded? Who
6: made your shoes? It's a blood sport with them. It's a, it's a kind of one-upmanship. That's, they're going to size you up right away.
4: Part of me is like, oh, this boys, is, boys, don't make it a competition. I, it's a blood sport. Although unlike other blood sports like cars or fine wines or whatever dudes can turn into a dick measuring contest, menswear has this strange X factor. Sprezzatura. Sprezzatura. Yes, good. Sprezzatura, Italian, go figure, means a studied carelessness. It's this concept that you're not supposed to look like you put a lot of effort into the way you dress, even though you probably did. Because it's not cool for men to care about how they look. That's the the caricature of life. You
6: know, you'll see a guy and you'll say, "Oh, well, the buttons of his shirt aren't buttoned. He knows
4: that. He knows that. You're not telling him anything. Real menswear buffs will say you don't want to look too crisp and clean and buttoned up. Otherwise you'll look too slick, like you're a butler or something. You gotta give it a little sprezzatura. If his
6: tie is crooked, he put it that way. You know, if he left his sleeve buttons undone, he did that on purpose. He knows that, you're not telling him anything, believe me. The idea he wants to get across to you is that he looks fabulous, and if he cared just a little bit more, if he straightened his tie, if he buttoned his buttons, ...he would really look terrific. He knows that. He knows that. It shows a strength held in reserve.
4: And so there's this illusion that well-dressed men are the chosen ones... ...who are just effortlessly elegant. Like, either you have the right stuff or you don't. So a lot of men don't really try. Many of them grew up without learning how to shop for clothes without taking the time to figure out their taste and their bodies. Because, again, they weren't supposed to care. And this, all of this, everything about menswear, from the uniformity to the world of tiny details to this whole culture of sprezzatura, a lot of it can be traced back to one man. One man. His name
7: was Beau Brummel. Always a joy to talk about Brummel.
4: Ian Kelly is a historian, screenwriter, and playwright. He's also, by the way, an accomplished actor.
7: And yes, I do play Hermione's father in the Harry Potter movies. I think you've instantly undermined whatever academic cred I might have had.
4: No, 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 no. It's so impressive. Ian Kelly is absolutely a guy with academic cred. This muggle wrote the definitive biography of Beau Brummel, who was bopping around London at the turn of the 19th century. Before Beau... Men and women at the highest echelons of the European court systems used to dress in kind of the same way. Everyone had white powdered faces and wigs and big lacy collars and high heels, dripping with rich fabrics and rare gemstones. Everyone, men and women, were decking themselves out elaborately and glamorously. And then there was a massive shift.
7: What fashion historians called the great male renunciation.
1: The great male
0: renunciation.
7: The moment when... Men's fashion forgoes pretty much forever. Lace and silk and feathers and wigs and makeup and color and goes for something quite pared down.
4: And this renunciation, in many ways, started with a beau. At
7: its simplest, I should say, uh, Beau Brummel is the begetter of the suit.
4: The suit, as we know it, did not exist before Beau Brummel. I know, you thought I was being a reductionist history podcaster when I was like, it all began with one man. But it's really true, Beau Brummel changed everything.
7: Arguably the most important single figure in the whole history of fashion.
4: What Adam Smith was to economics, what Charles Darwin was to biology, Beau Brummel was to fashion. Although unlike other founders of the modern era, Beau was wildly unqualified. He wasn't a fashion designer.
7: He wasn't a tailor.
4: He wasn't even a nobleman.
7: He was, for want of a better word, a celebrity.
4: He was kind of famous for being famous. Today, we would call Beau Brummel an influencer.
7: He was rich. He was funny. He was charming. He was good-looking, hence Beau.
4: Très beau. Beau was his nickname. But before he grew up to be hot, he was born George Brummel in 1778. And his parents were servants.
7: His parents working for Lord North who used to go down until very recently as the least successful prime minister in British history, now with somewhat stiff competition. But he famously lost the American colonies.
4: Beau's father was Lord North's private secretary and made an unusually large amount of money in that job.
7: It was what was known in the 18th century as peculation, uh, which I think now we would call embezzlement.
4: And so Beau grew up around wealth. He was accustomed to it. He went to fancy schools. He knew all the right people. And when his parents died when he was a teenager, he inherited the family fortune. Beau mostly spent his days gambling and going to the theater and just being handsome and witty.
7: Famous initially for being the wittiest man in London.
4: Reading his quotes, I don't know if I would call him witty as much as I would call him mean. To give you an idea, here's a classic Beau Brummel zinger. So Beau comes up to some lord on the street and asks him, "What
3: are those things on your feet?"
4: This lord, of course, said, "Uh, they're shoes." Beau replied, Ugh. "He thought they were slippers. I
7: thought they were slippers."
4: Ooh, burn. Apparently this kind of insult humor went over very well and Beau roamed the streets of London just dispensing clever insults and looking great.
1: Très très, très beau.
4: But Beau Brummel's style was shockingly simple. He wore the same thing every single day a white shirt, a dark jacket, and tan pants. This look was the grandfather of the suit. And as conventional and stuffy as we may think of the suit today, Beau's look was absolutely rebellious and unprecedented. For one thing, pants were pretty wild.
7: That issue of full-length cylinder of cloth um, from crotch to floor was very unusual before Beau Brummel.
4: Upper-class men used to wear things that kind of looked like shorts or maybe pedal pushers with socks or stockings, just these bottoms that had multiple layers and parts to them. But Beau's long, shapely legs were accentuated by one uninterrupted piece of cloth. And Beau's pants were really, really tight. Really tight. Beau required an assistant to get his pants on.
7: There is this fashion in wake of Beau Brummel of wearing punishingly tight, usually rather pale trousers, and indeed in an era when gentlemen did not wear undergarments of any sort, for fear of what I believe is known as visible panty line.
4: These early Beau Brummel pants made men look nearly naked, like they were Donald Ducking it. And this was intentional. It was inspired by this widespread obsession with Greco-Roman statuary.
7: A fascination with the art of the ancients, and in particular with sculpture.
4: Think of Jane Austen movies, right? Women around Beau Brummel's time curled their hair and pinned it back low and wore simple white gowns that made them look like statues of Greek goddesses.
7: But um, Greek and Roman male statues were almost invariably nude, or at least the ones that were considered of artistic import. And the origins of tailoring is born, strangely, in emulation of a sort of a, um, a nudity.
4: Tailoring was also an emulation of a military look. The suit jacket was derived from a riding outfit because Beau Brummel had served in the cavalry.
7: The monochrome, the simplicity, has its allusion to military uniform, but also the idea of uniformity.
4: Having a uniform allows people to feel part of some larger cause or part of a club. And so when Beau dressed in the same way every single day, he amassed followers, and they proudly called themselves... Dandies. Dandy didn't mean how we think of it today. Then it meant edgy and minimal and extremely heterosexual. This manly cohort of men who slavishly followed Beau and dressed just like him.
7: He's um, the center of a personality cult, really. The dandies of the West End, who began dressing in this strict, pared down, militaristic monochrome.
4: But bear in mind Beau wasn't dressing like his own country's military. This is, after all, in the wake of the American Revolution. The Brits had fought and lost, wearing their bright red coats with flashy gold buttons and long tails and fancy hats. The rebels, the victorious underdog colonists, were clad in muted blues and grays. Beau was dressing like the rebels.
7: The dress-down issue of Beau Brummel and his friends was sometimes taken as looking in support of or in allusion to American revolutionaries or French revolutionaries. a Very dressed down, very, you know, man of the people sort of look.
5: Because the trajectory of what created the suit and what drives fashion forward has always been the need for more democratic, simpler, dressed down, relatable clothes. This is
4: Derek Guy, one of my favorite fashion writers and editor for the website, put this on.
5: If the Brits didn't take over the world, and if Brummel had never lived... Would we still have the suit without Brummel? I think undoubtedly yes. The great male
4: renunciation kicked off with Brummel, for sure.
5: The great male renunciation.
4: But Brummel was channeling forces larger than himself and sentiments that were brewing long before he was born. Think about it. For centuries, Western monarchs and upper-crest courtly people looked like goddamn aliens.
5: Elizabeth I dressed in a silhouette that almost made her look like an insect. She had a very, very narrow corset made out of whalebones. I mean, her garments were made out of wood, baling, velvet, these kind of like gauzy silks that would float around her head, look like dry ice. And the idea of that dress at the time was to establish her position on the throne and the institution of monarchy itself.
4: This look was otherworldly, intentionally saying,
5: I am not like you. If you had at any point thought that this person was just a human being like you, then what justifies their rule over this entire kingdom?
4: But things started to change after Queen Elizabeth, during the reign of Charles
5: I. Charles I also had a very extravagant wardrobe. The difference at this time is that you had the rise of the printing press. The printing press was around in Elizabethan
4: times, but it really started to take off under Charles I, which meant royal subjects could and did print pamphlets making Charles look absolutely ridiculous in his big, lacy collars. Basically, they made political cartoons.
5: Yeah, political cartoons, exactly. So what you think is an extravagant hat, they would show as a silly hat. And it opened up the doors for other criticisms. When people start criticizing your clothes, and they start criticizing your character and your spending habits.
4: Sure enough, Charles's crazy clothes led Parliament to question all the other ways he had mismanaged his funds which
5: it turned out were manifold. It has to do with the growing ideas of liberalism at the time. How would these people be walking around wearing gold when the merchant class in that society was rising, gaining power, and started questioning, why are you wearing all that stuff? What are you doing with my money? And in this way, men
4: of wealth and power slowly realized it was best to keep their cards close to their vests, to not risk looking ridiculous or frivolous. In the rising tide of liberalism, power and wealth became about restraint and distance. And Brummel's suit fulfilled this desire perfectly because it was democratic on its surface, but it quietly
7: oozed wealth. If you're not going to rely on bling to establish your status, then it's to do with perfect detail. And the details were various.
4: And the details were expensive. The suit required flawless tailoring. And you had to hire a valet to help you into your tight pants. And Beau started the trend of wearing a crisp white shirt under your jacket.
7: There's an interesting signaling of wealth and privilege through clean white linen.
4: It was impossible to dry clothes in 18th century London without getting them covered in soot. To get white shirts and cravats truly clean, Beau had to send his laundry out to the countryside.
7: So the issue of just having clean white linen is a signifier of wealth and uh, an attention to detail.
4: Men were fascinated by Beau's world of tiny details. And to understand his new way of dressing, actual crowds would gather at Beau's house every morning to watch Beau get ready.
7: Such was his celebrity, people would come to watch him dress. He possibly had some sort of OCD issue in that he took several hours to dress. An hour or more of it naked in front of his assorted friends, including the Prince of Wales.
4: I cannot emphasize how crazy it was that the Prince of Wales was watching Beau Brummel in order to learn how to dress like a commoner, to learn to dress as though he did not care about dressing. The audience watched as Beau famously tied and retied his cravat over and over again until it appeared as though he had just tied it briskly and effortlessly. As one of Beau's dandy followers wrote, my neckcloth cost me some hours of flurry to make it appear to be tied in a hurry because real men dress down. And real men don't care.
7: The great male renunciation.
4: Beau's dandyism had a grip on the London scene until 1812, when his insult comedy went a step too far.
7: He publicly insulted the Prince of Wales with the rather fabulous uh, line to a mutual friend of theirs in front of the Prince Regent, Who's your fat friend?
4: Who's your fat friend? The Prince of Wales was sensitive about his weight, and this was pretty nasty, even for Beau. He fell out of favor with high society quickly. And then Britain went through a serious recession, and Beau Brummel was in a lot of debt. And so he fled to France, where he went mad and died of syphilis, which actually heightened the mythology of him as this tragic, glamorous figure. Beau Brummel's influence was profound. As Brummel so concisely said To
7: be truly elegant, one should not be noticed.
4: This is more or less the rule of law in menswear now. But the whole shift didn't happen within Beau Brummel's lifetime. As you know from living in the world, some people follow trends, some people don't. The great male renunciation didn't fully take hold until nearly a century later, with a figure who, in a lot of ways, was quite similar to Brummel. Oscar Wilde.
7: Oscar Wilde's Dorian Gray, when it was first published in France, was reviewed and written of as a parable about Beau Brummel or a parable about syphilis.
4: Oscar Wilde was obsessed with Beau Brummel. And like Beau Brummel, Oscar Wilde was also a witty man about London, frequenting the theatre and bandying about clever retorts. But he was emphatically unlike Brummel in the most important way. Oscar Wilde was a really flamboyant dresser.
5: He wore capes, these huge hats, velvet. I mean, he was dressed very extravagantly, and he used, at the time, clothes as a way to build up his press and character. So when he would go on tours for for plays, for example, he would dress up, both on stage and in private life, and the press would write about him, which, of course, helped advertise his plays.
4: Oscar Wilde was suspected of being gay, and then famously was put on trial for it. And he was sent to prison for two years, for his sexuality. This threw a bucket of cold water on flamboyant dressing. There were real stakes now. If looking like Oscar Wilde could be taken for a crime, why risk it? Derek Guy argues that it was the trial of Oscar Wilde that, in many ways, sealed the fate of the great male renunciation. Maybe it was best to not be noticed, to not care about clothes so that what you wear doesn't call attention to the way you spend your money or who you're having sex with. Perhaps it was smart for men to dress in gray and blue and black and to express themselves only in small details. This has been the rule in the West for so long this mythology seems impossible to break out of.
5: I mean, there was a time on Style Forum, which is an online forum for men who are interested in clothing, where recently as the late aughts, mid aughts, where people would routinely post, is it okay for me to wear a pink shirt? Does it make me less manly? That, unfortunately, I think is part of this long shadow of Oscar Wilde's trial and how men are very worried about what an interest in clothing means for how people perceive their manliness.
4: Of course, throughout the history of men's fashion, there have been notable exceptions, like the peacock revolution of the 1960s and 70s, when men were in psychedelic patterns and chunky high heels. Not to mention the many varied and exciting versions of menswear that persist beyond Bo's Western European model. And now there are these modern trailblazers like Billy Porter and Harry Styles, who are really trying to have fun with clothes. Men are slowly learning to get more comfortable with self-expression, but it's delicate, you know? Even at the Armory, that store clubhouse for competitive menswear nerds, the clothes for sale there are all pretty subdued. It, it's very traditional
6: clothing, but it's there's something very interesting about it all, don't you think?
4: I do, but of course, you know, part of me thinks, oh, man, we should liberate men from this, from this realm of, of small details and uh-huh. let them wear uh, purple zoot suits, you know? Well,
6: uh, yeah, and that, that may be true. That may be true. I, I'm, I'm not sure I would even want to argue with that. I mean, I could go the other way with you and say, you know, uh, get away from the tyranny of fashion a little bit. I mean, come on, you, you're gonna change your whole silhouette from one season to another? I mean, let's even talk about the environment. Touché. Uh, I guess my answer to the subtlety would be you gotta train your eye a little bit. You're a little blatant. You don't really have to knock me out with uh, the topless, backless,
4: red thing that you're wearing. I get it. Bruce is speaking hypothetically. I was not wearing a topless, backless, red thing.
6: But we could have a little subtlety in the dress, too, right? So, I mean, I I think that kind of thing works both ways, but I wouldn't argue with you about it.
4: No, no, no. That's a really good point. Bruce is right. A suit is timeless. You can really invest in one and wear it over and over again. And I love that. But I just cringe because suits have traditionally represented this version of macho, boring dressing that I've always resented. And I guess the thing is that so much of the power of the suit lies in who is wearing it. And how well it fits them. On one hand, yeah, of course, it's the
3: garment of power. But on the other hand, it's just kind of like putting a suit on means that I can tap into that
4: power, too, if I want. That's Ray Teterra, who had to get dressed up for that wedding 10 years ago. And in their hunt for that special dress-up feeling, Ray ended up finding it in a suit. It's kind of like when Dorothy realized she could go home all along after a yellow brick road journey. Ray learned about the world of cut and fit and tiny details— and has dedicated their life's work to spreading this knowledge around.
3: Can suits be fun? Oh, they're so fun.
4: Ray is now a partner at Bindle & Keep, a bespoke tailor in Brooklyn whose motto is suits for everybody. Hold on, I'm going to grab a suit that's yes! beautiful. I'll be right back. Ray is very good at their job and instantly plucked a suit off the rack that fit me perfectly. You think this will fit? Uh, yeah, we'll bring her on there. <laughs> yes, it'll be fun. I was totally smitten. Ooh. Ooh so good. I know, it's wonderful. Why does it fit? Why do I love it so much? What's going on? <laughs> okay.
3: Um, okay, first thing is, it fits your shoulders pretty well. Um, I of thinking,
4: course, yeah, a well-fitting suit is a privilege and a luxury. But there's a reason this style has stuck around since Beau goddamn Brummel. If you get one that fits you, everyone can look great in a suit. Um,
3: you're also liking it because the button is closer to the narrowest point on your torso. I mean, yeah, it's proportional to you. I think that's why you like it.
4: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I just hope that we can move to a point in society where more people feel truly comfortable expressing themselves as loudly or as subtly as they would like to, which would be a big shift. But, you know, look at Beau Brummel. It might only take one extremely well-dressed person to change the entire paradigm again. Mm
3: pocket, a piece of paper, words from yesterday, there's a portrait painted on the things we love.
4: Articles of Interest was written and performed by Avery Truffleman. Edited by Chris Berube. Scored by Ray Royal. Fact-checked by Tom Colligan with additional fact-checking by Graham Hesha, Mix and tech production by Sharif Youssef with additional mixing by Catherine Ray Mondo. Our opening and closing songs are by Sasami. Insights, support, and edits from the whole 99PI team, including Joe Rosenberg, Emmett Fitzgerald, Vivian Leigh, Sean Real, Abby Madon, Kurt Colstead, Delaney Hall, and Katie Mingle. Special thanks to fantasy author and podcaster Alex Rowland, who first told me about Beau Brummel in an amazing Twitter thread. Follow them at underscore Alex Rowland. And thanks also to menswear designer Bryce Patterson of The Black Tux. Voice talents this episode were Pat Masidi miller The Great
7: Male Renunciation,
4: Mathilde Bo, Très, très beau. And Beau Brummel was played by Felix Trench. People can find his work in the fiction podcast Wooden Overcoats and Quid Pro Euro. And Roman Mars is the dandy cult leader of this whole series. 99%
0: Invisible is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop and mobile. And with their new asset library, you're able to manage all your files from one central hub and use them across the Squarespace platform. Get started with one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category and use case, then customize your look, update content, and add features to fit your unique needs. I made my website, romanmars.com, a long time ago on Squarespace. It was simple. It was easy to do. It was exactly what I needed. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com invisible to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
5: When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
3: Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac?
5: It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a RE-MAX agent actually knows best.
4: Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here.
5: Remax is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brandspark American Trust Study,
1: each office independently owned and operated.
4: Before the great male renunciation, so many things that we now think of as feminine were once masculine. Like high heels were first worn by men because the heels were useful for riding stirrups. Same thing with diamonds. Like many kind of feminine flourishes, diamonds were actually worn by men before they were worn by women. And author Rochelle Bergstein says that about 40 years ago, the diamond industry tried to get men back into it.
3: They created a series of very hokey ads in the 80s, which are so on the nose. They hired sports stars to say things like, my diamond makes me feel masculine.
4: This is just protesting a little too much.
3: But then, outside of the industry's purview, something happened which they really didn't anticipate, which was that rappers started wearing diamonds as a symbol of their success.
4: Prominent men of color, of their own accord, injected new life into the diamond industry.
3: On a you know, fundamental level, it showed guys that wearing gemstones could be cool, that it actually is something aspirational and something that shows off status,
4: which is of course what we're all told we're trying to do with our gemstones. But you know, not all gemstones necessarily. I'm going to sound so white when I say this, but bling meant a specific thing. It didn't mean sapphires or emeralds or opals. Your next articles of interest are diamonds.
1: Why pick one city, one beach, one restaurant, or even one view? With Celebrity Cruises, you can have it all. Explore the best of Europe, the Caribbean, and Alaska with the best premium cruise line. And now get 75% off your second guest, plus bonus savings on select dates with Celebrity Cruises' semi-annual sale. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Offer applies to non-refundable fares and select sailing. Savings vary by stateroom category. Other terms apply. Visit Celebrity.com for details. Ships registry Malta.
2: Hot off the press from Maybelline, New York. It's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts from eight sizzling shades like blush blaze red flag hot honey cocoa zing and more an extra large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe learn more at maybelline.com for a limited time get 10 percent off your lifter plump purchase on amazon with code 10 plump
1: everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day